This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at Le Banks, St. Samson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. something in the Old Testament back along and um, just a few weeks ago and it, it came to me about inheritance and the word inheritance kept on coming into my mind uh, and wherever I looked the word inheritance came so I thought I've got to have a look, look at this and of course I thought of what we call the prodigal son some people call that, that passage in Luke chapter 15 as the, the father's love but we probably know it more or better as the prodigal son so I thought we'd um, have a look at that in a minute. Um, if you're in my connect group, you know that I ask a pile of questions, probably 12, 15 questions, in order that get you to talk and not listen to my boring voice. <laughs> uh, the questions. What is our inheritance in Christ? And another one. What do we gain by having put our trust in Jesus? So let's have a look at this. Well, that's small on that screen. <laughs> I'll just read this through. Jesus continued because there, there, there was there was three three stories in this um, in this chapter. There was the lost sheep, the lost coin, and now we have the lost son. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, "Father, give me my share of the estate." So he so he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the youngest son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to feel, fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. But I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost. So they, they, and he's found, so they began to celebrate. What did the prodigal son, by, by gaining, uh, son gain by receiving his part of the inheritance prematurely? Well, he gained freedom from his family's and his father's ties. So it says there in those first uh, two or three verses, there was a young man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. 
So he divided the property between them. I, I never, I never twigged before that it was between them, the, far, the two boys. And I, I was always thought of the prodigal son had his share, but it was between the two boys. And uh, not long after that, the younger son got up altogether and he set off for a distant country. He gained freedom from his father's family and from their ties. He could now go and do what he wanted. Whatever he wanted to do, he could go and do it. There was nobody breathing down his neck saying, you haven't fed those sheep today. <laughs> there was nobody saying to him, you haven't let the donkeys out. Did you get up late again? There was nobody saying that to him. He could just go off and do what he wanted to do. Leaving the family home meant there'd be no more restrictions. Freedom to do his own thing. Not only then, he, not only that, he now had plenty of money. He could stay in the best hotels and have everything done for him. Sheer luxury. Here we, have we ever been in that place, I wonder, where we've just, we could do whatever we wanted to do? No restrictions, even for a few hours maybe, or maybe a week's holiday, just chilling out, doing whatever we wanted to do. After waving goodbye to family that morning, probably having thought about it a lot and packed the night before, he, he went all excited, dreaming about no longer being bound by all these chores that he had to do at home dreaming about there being nobody there telling him what he should be doing. Freedom, total freedom. No cars, no buses, no trains, no planes. In those days you had to walk. They hadn't invented all those things yet. So he walked off. But he didn't think what he might lose. I just want to have a look this morning at a couple of things of what he, what he might lose. What did he stand to lose? Firstly, he stood to lose love. No longer would there be a, a, a father there and a family there. No longer would there be friends, mates there around him who cared for him and enjoyed his company. No longer could he go uh, around to his mate's house and play on the Xbox or go out and play outside and kick a ball with his mates if they had those type of things in those days I doubt it but you never know uh, but no longer could he spend time with his friends he'd heard about the grass being greener on the other side and he wanted to go and see for himself so eventually he goes and as we know the story he lost his money he lost all his money says in verse 14 that which he trusted in he just lost it that which he had hoped, but only by his own foolish, selfish ways. He lost love and gained self-condemnation. In fact, he came to the place where he didn't feel he was even worthy to be called his father's son. He was in a dark place. So finding a job, he ends up feeding pigs. Now, a, a, a job for a Jew, feeding pigs, was 
a no-no really because uh, as far as the Jews were concerned the, the, the pigs were unclean animals so to have a job feeding pigs well that was just the pits that was the bottom you couldn't go any further than that <coughs> just wonder if I suppose through life as we go through life we get into dark places sometimes it's difficult sometimes it's hard I can remember quite a long time ago now when um, in our business it, 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 through no fault of our own it took a downturn and caused us huge debts six figure sum in those days it would equate to seven figure sums today and then when all that got sorted out and, and we, we managed to work like crazy and, and, and see God bless again and then we managed to sell and, uh, and managed to get good jobs uh, ourselves and everything was swimming and going well and then we lost one of our boys he died in a motorbike accident and sometimes you get into dark places you have difficult times it, it's hard, some sickness and things come against us uh, and yeah we get into those dark places he also lost his security he put himself in a place where he was vulnerable to exploitation because they didn't have banks in those days credit cards, debit cards, nothing like that uh, so he would have stuffed all his money on his, around his person or in his bag or, or whatever uh, and he was vulnerable to being robbed and, and even killed and because of his wild living he could have got involved in this day and age in the drug scene or uh, caught up in an infection of some kind or another. And there was no one around then when all that had gone for him to be cared for. No one to say, hey, I've missed you, mate. No one around. He didn't show up in these normal places because he had no more money, so nobody bothered him. Yeah, he lost his security he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating but no one gave him anything no one has anything to offer him even these unclean animals are better than him he was starving I guess he was paid for what he did but as there was a famine in the land I presume then inflation goes high and, and it's difficult for him to buy enough food to keep a young man's appetite going so he, he was hungry he was starving it says goodness knows where he was living in the street or wherever he could go again he'd lost his security there'd be no, no security there this reflects the well, I don't know if this is a, an English word but the lostness if I want to put it that way the state that he was in and, and this is the same as before we became Christians that we were in a lostness state as well we, we had that same thing we, we had no spiritual home in his head he has no hope and besides he severely let down his family's name 
for him, it couldn't get much worse than this. Maybe there's someone here this morning and, and life is tough at the moment. And you could have similar thoughts or maybe you, in the past you've had similar thoughts in a dark place, feeling lost, feeling like life is helpless. But eventually he came to his senses and he reflects on his condition and realises that his father's servants have it far better off than what he has at the moment. To be outside of God's family can give the feeling of, of being utterly alone, especially if we've already walked with God. Before we came to Christ, we had nothing we could rely on except the Father's mercy. We recognised before we became Christians that we'd failed and we'd ask God for his forgiveness to come into our lives. So what did he gain or regain when he returned to his, his family? He regained family love. He got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Actually, this action that the father took breaks all those at that time Middle Eastern protocol. No father would greet a rebellious son that way. But Jesus here is teaching a new teaching in a sense in, into their culture. He's teaching that there's a, a father, his father in heaven who is waiting to receive people. Receive people for the first time. Receive people back to himself. If, if we've wandered away from the faith we once had, Father God is looking and waiting to take us that step towards him. He has his arms outstretched. I always have a picture in my mind, probably ever since I was a boy, of, of him going at the end of the fields and seeing his son in the distance with his arms wide open, waiting for his son to come back. In the case of this story, um, he is the God of the second chance. Uh, another Louis Giglio tweet is, if you're telling yourself you don't deserve a second chance from God, remind yourself you didn't deserve the first one either. True, isn't it? The other thing he gained, or regained, when he returned to his father was, was his security. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, so they began to celebrate. He was now safe and secure in the walls of the family home. He would have all his needs and wants supplied. There was never a situation again where he would need to be hungry. The note of joy and celebration about the son's return is crucial, as is the father's restoration of his son's privileges. The son has come from destitution to complete restoration. And so did we when we came to know God as our saviour or if we've come back into faith, we've come from destitution into complete spiritual restoration.
That's what God's grace did for us when we decided we were going to follow him or when we came back after a rebellious time away. God throws his arms wide and he throws a party as well. Now, I wasn't going to mention about the elder brother um, because I didn't think he featured much and then it came to me that probably he does. You know, he, he wasn't going to join in those festivities. Why not? Well, because he was probably jealous or bitter. This son had gone off, his brother, and come back and there's, there's a party for him. Meanwhile, the eldest son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing, so he called one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. When you think about it, according to the Jewish law, um, the eldest son inherited a double portion to what the other sons had. So if you had ten sons, the eldest son would have a double portion to what all the other sons had. So in this case, there was two sons, so he would have double what the, the son had that went off. And so, what was he whinging about? I mean, he'd had a double portion in the first place. And here is this story, to me, here is this story's great irony that the brother who had been on the outside is now on the inside. And the, the brother that had been on the inside is now moved in the story to the outside. And it shows how important it is, even as Christians, to keep our hearts right within us. If um, a church down the road or somewhere in this island gets tremendous anointing of God and we don't, it's not for us to be bitter, it's us to just rejoice with them that God is blessing them. If, if, if somebody here has just got the anointing and the blessing of God on them, but you're going through a tough time, it's not to be bitter or resentful, but it, it's just to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice, as it says in Romans. Similarly, um, it, it if, if that happens, let, let's just be with them and just bless them. I've noticed in my life that just as we have the seasons, you know, um, summer, autumn, winter, spring, so we seem to have seasons in our life. We go through seasons and we go through times and sometimes we have tough times and sometimes we have great times. Last year for us, the family was a fantastic time, fantastic year for us. But we've had other years where it's been really tough and, and we seem to go through these seasons. You might be going through a tough time at the moment, sickness, pain, somebody really annoying you and disrupting you, you in work and, and, and their pain. <laughs> uh, and you can't get on with your work because it's, it's just a, 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 not a good atmosphere in the workplace. One of the children may be playing up uh, and, and giving you a hard time. And, and you know, we go through these seasons but there's no need to be jealous or resentful or bitter of the person that God has got blessing on their lives. I notice that this elder brother pleads his faithfulness to his father despite the lack of celebration from him at any time in the past. Because he says, he said to his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. 
Yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you'll kill the fatted calf uh, for him. He's saying that not even a kid had been butchered for him. The contrast he draws is, look, you've killed the fatted calf. They've got steak they're having a party. They've got the best meal. They've got steak. You, you haven't even gone and got a takeaway for me and my mates to share. <laughs> the eldest son makes his complaint. It's not fair. Now, as a parent <laughs> with children, how, how often have you heard that word? It's not fair. He's doing this and he's got that she's got this and he's got that it's not fair the eldest son's problem is his self-righteousness self-directed focus there's no joy with him that his brothers come home he is too self-consumed with justice and equity for him to be caught up in a party my son the father said you are always with me and everything I have is yours but we had to celebrate and be glad because he's, this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. That's the Father's heart of God. He just loves us and loves us and loves us. Yet when we slip up and then come back to him, he welcomes us back with open arms. Also, even though we may not realise it, he is looking out for us, straining his eyes to see when we will return. In Romans 8, I love this verse in Romans 8, chapter, one, uh, chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. All that chapter is a brilliant chapter. I'll skip a few verses and go to verse 14, for it says there, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. We are children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought, you, brought about your adoption to sonship. So we've been adopted and now we're called a son. And by him we cry up a father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So we are heirs and co-heirs with Jesus himself. Heirs inherit things. They receive an inheritance. What is the inheritance that we're receiving well, we all know that, that verse in John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. And, and just before Jesus' crucifixion he said to his disciples in, in chapter 14 verse 1 of John Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. The Bible is full of references to, to the inheritance that believers in Christ have. 
This heavenly heritage is God's purpose and will for us. Ephesians chapter 1 is a brilliant chapter as well as that Romans chapter 8 chapter um, dealing with inheritance and blessings and what God has for us. Um, This this heavenly heritage is God's purpose and will for us. In in verse 11 of Ephesians chapter 1 it says, In Christ we have obtained an inheritance. Other passages mention that in Colossians and Hebrews, that our inheritance is in a word, heaven. It's the sum total of all God has promised in salvation. 1 Peter 1 verse 4 describes this inheritance further, saying that we have been born again into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade this inheritance is kept in heaven for us. As God's children, we have been adopted into his family. We've been assured an inheritance from our Heavenly Father. We receive the promise of our inheritance by hearing the word of truth and believing in Christ. In Ephesians, back in Ephesians chapter 1 again, it says this, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. When we understand and value the glory that awaits us, we are better able to endure whatever comes our way in this life. We can give God praise even during trials because we have his guarantee that we will receive all he has promised. In Revelation 21, there's a, there's a beautiful description of our inheritance there. Wipes away tears from our eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old, of things, old order of things have passed away and it goes on to say about this great big bejeweled city the new Jerusalem um, and the river of life there the healing tree and so on and David writes surely I have a delightful inheritance and that's why we fix our eyes not on what is seen but on what is unseen since what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal yes we do have to think about this uh, and importantly a tremendous hope uh, and I don't want to belittle that in any way but there's other things that we inherit uh, and I'd like to just have a brief look at one or two of the other things that we do inherit while we're here um, so since we have now invited Jesus into our lives what exactly have we inherited maybe we don't realise that we even have an inheritance what is it we have clues and right through the Bible there's no, you can't go to a page and say this is what you've inherited and there's a list but you have to go through and have a look here and there uh, and I think a brilliant clue is in Galatians 5 where it says about the fruit of the spirit the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness self-control against such there's no such law and when, when you think of this um, when as when you become a Christian somehow or other the love of God starts flooding your life and, and you, as, as you go walking with Christ day by day you, you seem to have a love 
for people that really you didn't love before you were a Christian and, and his love starts flooding your life uh, and it, it just grows and it develops uh, and uh, okay love, joy, peace, so on we could spend a, a sermon on each of these subjects but you have an inner joy sometimes when, when things aren't tough you still have that joy that's in you bubbling up inside of you you have an inner peace when, when things are going wrong I know when, when things have gone wrong in our lives we still had, had a peace which passes all understanding we, we don't realise, we don't understand exactly how that peace works but it gives us a peace when things uh, are in turmoil around us and other people uh, are maybe uh, are in turmoil around us we seem to have and develop a peace and it only comes from God uh, and uh, forbearance or um, patience it, it, oh, I've got it on patience on that one patience is an, another one sometimes um, before we become a Christian some common people and I often have to deal with these kind of people people who are angry or, or, and, and um, I've, I find that without God in their lives they have a difficulty dealing with their anger um, and sometimes it, it's it's so much easier when you've got God in your life to have to, to lose that shorter fuse <laughs> not to have that short fuse anymore um, okay the best of us get tried from time to time but we, we seem to be able to hold it better together because God gives us that, that, that patience could go on kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness self-control so many things that, that God blesses us with and gives us that's our inheritance as, as believers and the more we become grafted into the tree of faith the more fruit will grow and develop and changing the analogy the more we realise that we have been adopted into God's family the more of these attributes that we've got up there on the screen will become developed in, in our walk and increase and expand in our walk and in our lives back in Ephesians chapter 1 again verse 3 says praise be to the God and Father our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing these blessings are our inheritance these blessings are for us it's things like we, we, we become a child of God we're able to have access to God we have freedom from condemnation we become an heir of God we become secure in Christ we are a new creation we are forgiven and we could carry on going there For uh, and carrying on in, in that Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight in love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us sonship is the vitality through which ministries grow we are not the black sheep of the family but a co-heir of Christ the inheritance of, of, of the Christian we belong to the father as his heirs he has loved us he has redeemed us he has adopted us he has made us heirs of his grace it's something that he has done entirely for us of his own free sovereign will 
but we also have God as our inheritance. The psalmist says that he is my portion forever. The Lord God is our inheritance. We are co-heirs with Christ. What it says in Ephesians 1.17 Whatever Jesus inherits is ours also. Whatever we inherit, we inherit a right alongside him. It's not something we merit, it's strictly God's gift to his children. God's inheritance is the glory of God. We were singing about that, his glory before. Which means the vision of participation in the enjoyment of God himself. As children of God, we have an inheritance available to us. We, we, know this, we, know, we know this as biblical truth. Also, since we have an inheritance, how do we access it? The oldest son in the parable of the prodigal son was upset because his father had never killed a fatted calf for him and his friends so that they could have a party. When he accuses his father of treating him unfairly, his father responds, Why are you so upset? All that I have is yours. He had that double portion. I believe that this is our position with God. All that we have, all that he has, is ours. If that's so, how do we use it to build the kingdom? How do we access heaven's abundance, which is our inheritance? Just something to think about. How are we with our inheritance? Are we enjoying it? Or are we not enjoying it like the elder son wasn't? Or are we wasting it as the younger son did for a time? Or are we plain not using it? God is the God of the second chance as well as the God of the first chance. If you've never come to God and asked him for forgiveness, he's there waiting with open arms for you. And if you've gone away from God and you need, feel you need to come back he's still there with his arms waiting wide for you today shall we just uh, pray we thank you Lord that you are so beautiful you are so bountiful towards us you give us chances, you give us opportunities Father we, we admit sometimes we slip up we admit sometimes we fail you. We don't do those things that we ought to do. But Lord, we, we come today and we just thank you that you've got your arms wide open, ready to receive us. You're waiting for us. We thank you that you are the God of the second chance and the third chance and so on. We just thank you for that. We thank you for your bountiful love towards us. We thank you, Lord, that you just accept us. And we thank you that you've given us such a rich inheritance. We can live in you. We can know of your blessing on our lives. We can know of your anointing on our lives. We can know of your guidance in our lives, your direction and your purpose for our lives. We thank you, Lord, we have such a rich inheritance. And we want to give you praise this morning. And we want to give you thanks. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to this free download from Delance Healing Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelan.co.uk.